0: what is up welcome back to the podcast social skills for dummies it's the host of this podcast dallas and today is day seven what i want to talk about today is i want to go over one of the primary abilities that you need to develop in order to have great social skills and charisma um a lot of last year one of the biggest things i talked about Really, the beginning of this year was who is it that's in the driver's seat? You know, when you go into your mind, who is it that's thinking for you? Who is it that's acting on your behalf? Is it you or is it something else? You know, um, if you watch the movie Men in Black, you know, there's a scene in one of the Men in Black movies where it's this guy. I think he's like an old guy or something like that. And, you know, he gets killed or something like that. I don't remember the movie exactly. It's been a while since I seen Men in Black. But, you know, the, you know, the, the guy, you know, when he dies, his his face kind of opens up and it is revealed that this outer shell is actually a suit. It's just a hollow husk and there's this tiny alien sitting in a driver's seat. And he tells the main characters the galaxy is on Orion's belt. Now, a lot of people in my personal opinion live their lives this way. You know, there's actually you know, one of the things I learned from Owen Cook, he always talks about, is there's this this bug, I don't remember what it's called, like a, a casey or something like that. And one of the things that it's able to do is barrel into the minds of, like, insects, like grasshoppers, um, and control their actions. It can kill them and then run their body. Well, it makes them kill themselves and it runs their body, so this insect is actually able to control their brain their actions their thoughts their ideas uh if there is an insect that has thoughts and ideas and earlier this year you know one of the things that i always kind of do is draw parallels between stories and things i've heard things that have been suggested to me in my own life and so a lot of this year a few of the things that were happen- was happening was that i would try many things you know i would try for example i would go on a diet and when I would go on a diet, you know a lot of the times I would end up cheating on the diet. Now How many of you like have gone on diets before? Like think about that experience. You've gone on a diet or you've gone on you know a, a hiatus from something let's say like pornography or something like that. What is the experience generally like? I want you to really think about it and feel the experience. For most people, that experience is probably like, okay, the first day is great. you feel a second wind, you feel motivation, you feel clarity. You're doing exactly what it is that you set out to do. Because as a being, you understand it It further advances your purpose in this world. It further advances the lives of the people around you and in this world in general. And day two and day three may sort of be the same. But along the course and succession of days, um, there begins to build in your abdomen a little seed of hunger. And it grows and it grows and it grows. And it grows into this great and immersive hunger to the point where The thing that you've been abstinent from is almost calling you from across the room. And so one of my favorite snacks, for example, is like Oreos. Uh, I love like I love all kinds of Oreos, to be honest, every single kind. One of the one of my muses lately has been like the the thin mint Oreos. Um, And so, you know, I have a pack of Oreos in the room and I'll be at my caloric limit for the day. And it'll almost seem like the pack of Oreos is calling me across the room. And I'm almost unable to fight it off. And in some cases, maybe I go and eat the Oreos. And so, in some way, shape, or form, I feel I felt in the past, and I described this way on the podcast, is as, as if there's almost been points in time where it feels as if the Oreos, in the act of subsuming my own will, has a consciousness of its own. And it's using that consciousness... To invade my own and persuade me to help it enact its ultimate purpose, which is to be consumed and to have impacts on my body and therefore the world. Um, You can feel the things that you try to evade calling you as if they're actually in your head. And when you go and you eat them and you go purchase more as a being, you know what your higher purpose is. You know what you set out to do in life. And yet that's rerouted. By everything that's outside of you and everything in your environment. You become a person that's more reactiveness than proactiveness. You don't really make decisions anymore. But the things around you start to make decisions for you. The Oreos and the CEOs. They found a way to dim your own light. And replace it with their own. And you act out their will every second of your life. Sometimes even subconsciously without even knowing you're doing it. And in the end of the day. The the decisions you know, that you've acted out. And how they stack. They stack in a direction that is, you know, primed uh, to fulfill someone else's goal for your, you know, for, with your life, with your energy, with your consciousness, unbeknownst to you. And one of the tough things about that is everything in life is that way. Every, every Like everything in life and everything around you is that way. And so... You're 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 essentially living in a haze of other people's decisions. You're essentially living in a haze where the thing you think you do from your own free will is literally your own it's it's like the way light goes through a glass or light goes through water and it becomes refracted and redirected. You have this intention, you're sending this beam outside of you, sending this energy outside of you. But it passes through this environment and the direction of your will is changed. And it also, it in the end, because it hits a target other than what you suppose you will want to hit. Okay? And so it's like this beam of light. The beam of light is directed at a point of the wall. But you put like a mirror in front of it or a glass of water in front of it, and it never ends up making it there. You never end up making it to your goal. Your perceptions are bent and manipulated and turned in these ways that you can't even see. And so that was one of the mer- most primary ideas of last year. I remember, you know, um, before last year for me, it was around this time last year, around May, Juneish last year, when things began to pick up for the better. I describe this dream a lot of times on the podcast. But I had, you know, um, in the prior months, you know, to May of last year was some of the hardest months of my life. You know, I was trying my best gambling over and over and over again on this business and this, this idea of success that I wanted to be my life. You know, I seen these houses and these cars and I was trying to build a business to fulfill those goals out of this neediness and hunger and desperation inside of me. And I was failing over and over and over again. And because of that, I went through what I would call, a, um, what do you call it, a dark night of the soul. You know, where I was just kind of lost in darkness. And I didn't really have an identity. I didn't know who I was. And suddenly one night, you know, I had a dream that made everything click. And the dream was about, you know, my largest wound to this very day. My largest trauma to this very day. It was about, the, you know, the relationship between me and this girl that I love. Um, It was about my mother. It was about them leaving me, their opinions of me, and, and, and abandonment and feeling like I was never good enough for deserving of love. It was my origin story, you know, how my own personal narcissism formed um, and how it was just an act to kind of counterbalance everything that, you know, the the lack of, of belief, the lack of validation, the lack of merit that I was assigned as a child and all the way through teenhood and early adulthood, you know, um, it was about, you know, my own avoidance style of attachment. And so I had this gaping wound in the dream in the months prior to it, um, I had hit the bottom. It forced me to bottom out. And when I bottomed out and when I bottomed out, it had brought me to a place where I could cope with it. It had brought me to a place where the emotion had welled up from the surface from years of digging and digging and digging. And I finally found that truth. And the emotion came pouring out. I remember work waking up from the dream and I was crying and crying and crying and crying. I got in the shower and washed my face because I just couldn't stop crying. There were also dreams that I had earlier that year, you know, about a younger life, about freedom, about running around my grandmother's neighborhood and telling her I didn't want to go back to the life that I was living. I didn't want to wake up, and I remember waking up from that dream and I couldn't help but crying from that either. It was a lot of situations that year that revealed to me, um, my stage of flight, my stage of battle, um, and in those moments, you know as they succeeded one another it led me to a place where it was all released a lot of it was released a lot of it was shed but i tell that story to say the other side of it i remember the months following where some of the best months were they were the best months of my life they were there there were no comparisons they weren't some of the best months of my life they were the best months of my life i was routinely missing rent every single month you know I, i'm tw- i was 25 didn't have a car still don't Um, even though I have a license, you know, um, some days I didn't have money to, you know, buy food. Um, some days I still don't, you know, um, you know, I was across the country, you know, from all my friends, all my family, all my parents, um, you know, I was working this job probably 10 hours a day and really not making any money from it, you know, um, but somehow, some way, you know, I felt this overwhelming sense of clarity, I felt what can be best be, describe, be, be described by the term that I've learned this year, hypomania. I want you looked it up. Hypomania, H-Y-P-O-M-A-N-I-A. It was a un it was unreasonable and excessive amounts of joy that I just felt—joy, freedom, and uh, acceptance. Um, and feeling that emotion just like wash over me like a wave in the body. Like it felt to me like sometimes it would peak out and. It would peak to the point where I would almost like I would have hot flashes and be dizzy just by the pure awesomeness of the sensory information I was experiencing. You know, I had a clarity come over me and everything just felt new. Everything just felt new and beautiful. That was that's that that was one of the primary events that made me go on this big spiritual whatever you want to call it, journey health journey. Because that feeling if this is the same life that I'm living now. Like, holy shit. Like, what of a, li- what a what amount of life I've missed up until this point. And I remember that feeling washing over my body like a wave and just feeling like everything was brand new. I had never seen colors that bright. I had never seen details on a tree branch that vivid. It was all the most insane stuff that I ever seen in the world, I ever experienced. Earlier that year, you know, I had tried weed for the first time. Um, and weed uh, for the first time was kind of like that experience. You know, except it was everything that we was supposed to be. It was a clear experience. It wasn't an experience caused by drugs. It wasn't an experience that was like, that had a dimness and a cloudiness to it. That had a, a a a clumsiness to it. It was clear and it was sharp and it was beautiful. And alongside the changes that I experienced in my own psyche, you know, things had begun to unfold outside of me. You know, um, according to that. I had begun to see things that I hadn't seen before. Like like, almost overnight, almost everyone in my life, I felt adored me instantly, admired me instantly, wanted to be my friend instantly. I seen nothing but joy, you know, uh, and friendship and communion reflected on their faces. You know, um, and I was able to see, you know, for the first time that there were things within my reach and in my grasp that weren't there before that I felt weren't there before, but they suddenly had became available. It was like, you know, I had just instantly jumped levels in life and everything was different. And the program I'm releasing in July 21st, that's what it's all about. This was trying to show you. Uh, I just added in there as a random, random little plug. I didn't intend to do that, but I, I do want to add like, you know, that's, that's the point of this all. That's what it's about. Um, it's just, this connected into a, to a, to a source of power beyond us. Um, god i suppose i don't know what to call it that a lot of us are missing out because we're buried underneath these waves of trauma and so one of the things that it, it related to me is that i remember when i was young uh my there was a church in my family they built the church you know so all my family is really religious not really really well my grandmother and you know the older generation is really religious um they go to church every sunday and things like that and my grandmother recounted to me many times when i was a kid the first time she ever had gotten the holy ghost um which is when you catch the spirit of the lord in our church um and uh she recounted that she went outside that night in the star like everything felt new she was she was born a new creature is what she would say um my grandma's still alive so i suppose she still says it but i haven't seen her in many many months and She said the stars and everything had never been that way. They shined so bright and everything was beautiful. And she had almost like a clairvoyance. Like she could see events happening before they happened. You know, ironically in my life, like, you know, you know, and there's there's been times like when I was a kid, I used to, you know, like, oh, yeah, it sounds like far out there to me. And of course, I believe her; it's my grandmother, but it sounded far out. I remember there was a time where I had a kidney stone and I had to be rushed to the hospital in the middle of the night. And that night, my grandmother had a dream um, that, you know, I was in trouble. She called my mother to, to tell her to check on me um, and to look out for me. And that was one of those times that just was like, it's kind of solidified it for me. But first, it, like, it had always been a question for me. Like, like, since I was a kid, it was just like, like, how is that possible? Ironically enough, like, as of late, I've been kind of seeing things before they happen. Not like a visual, but like. I would suppose something is going to happen, and then it would happen that same way. And, you know, it could be just dumb luck. Probably it's just dumb luck. I mean, I don't suppose anybody can really know the future. Maybe people can. I don't know, but I'm just recounting my experience, okay? Um, And so I remember, like, reflecting on her experience and aligning our experiences together and realizing that I had something kind of similar happen to me, and I don't know what it is and the force that moves through it. But for me, I would say one of the important things is it was like I was seeing the world for the first time, and it was a paradise. And every movement and action and result that I reaped from the world at that time was of paradise. It was, it, it was a lot, along the lines of what you would expect to happen in heaven. You know, all the fruits that I asked for were there and provided for me just serendipitously. And I didn't really know how or why, but it was just, it just absolutely just blew my mind. It was the most insane episode I ever had in the world, in my life. You know, uh, and I say that to say this, you're living under a guise, you know, um, there's limitless amounts of guile in the world, deception, Machiavellianism, uh, implanted in the things you eat, implanting in your environment, and it is redirecting your light, it's subsuming your will, so that you're really unable to see the reality of things that are only a few feet away from you. Right in your face. You know, socially you are on fire. Socially you are a superstar, but because your perception is bent by the thing by the things controlling it, you can't see it. You know, there were many times during that year where, you know, me and the girl I loved, or love, me and this girl I love, we were in, you know, various arguments. We would go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And a lot of the arguments would start from my own defensiveness you know because i was this young guy and i was broke and i felt like lost and damaged and didn't have a future and i had this wound inside of me that i was unaware of entirely you know um my perception colored each interaction my self-perception my own ego and because i thought that i I assumed things about myself are projected that assumption onto other people and i assumed they thought things about me that weren't true not only on her, but on my environment and the people around me. I assumed they thought of me a particular type of way and it colored all their actions and experiences. Even in psychology, it colors your entire life. They call it mood con- a state-congruent memory. So your past and the things that you've been through, you know, as you reflect on them, they change. Your perception of them, your emotions towards them changed based on the mood you embody right now. And I remember feeling like the blinders had shifted and come off. And there was a lot more happiness and love and fruitfulness in every relationship where, you know, in places where I thought I hadn't any. And so, you know, uh, you can see. And that's why even with the last two episodes, I talk about sharpening the axe. I talk about bettering yourself. I talk about being I talk about all these, quote unquote, spiritual or health based topics, because one of the most powerful uh, tools that you have in social skills social skills that you can have is the ability to read people, okay, and people, like, reading people is, uh, is a complex idea, you know, because there, there's many layers to what a person is, and many, many people, they observe their primary, their primary, um, their primary device for communication, which is word, and that's why there's so many misconceptions about how it is that we maneuver through a social interaction. There are so many misconceptions on social interactions because people, you know, stop at the surface. And even in recording the rest of the data beyond the surface, um, you know, the light that's coming into you, uh, it's going through your lens. And so it's skewed information. You cannot see what's really there. You can't read a person because it's colored by your own insecurity. It's colored by your own trauma. It's colored by your own misconceptions. So nothing is ever fruitful because you observe an environment where there are no fruits or no, well, I guess various times, different types of fruits. Yeah. So fruits, um, whereas if you had removed that trauma and was able to see the situation, you'd see the fruit right there and you would just pick it. You see the fruits right there and you would just be able to pick them. You know, um, I think I best said it in many episodes in the past, and this is one of the things I learned from Owen Cook. I always shout him out because he's taught me the most about pickup. A lot of these are his original ideas and content, with my own extension to some of them, my own spin on some of them, my own perception on some of them, but a lot of the foundation is his. He's one of the greatest pickup coaches ever, um, and that's just my opinion. One of the most social teachers ever, self-help teachers ever. He'll go down in history, to me, is one of the most influential people ever and one of the things i believe starts with him is that Jesus his body language developed evolutionary after speech just like all animals and so when we speak people view those words as the most candid and valid when our brains took millions of years of evolution adapting to reading people's body or communicating or emoting through body and so the body is more honest and has more available data than words could ever. And so, when you look at what it, you know, the content of what somebody is actually saying to you, uh, you know, you have to have the ability to not only look at the content of what somebody actually say to you, says to you, but the entire content that's being displayed. You know, people's eyes communicate. In, a, in that's one of the things you have to get good at maintaining great eye contact and really picking up what is you know, receiving what's being display you know people's eyes show thousands and thousands and thousands more bytes of data gigs of data than people's voice and speech and speaking could ever you know it's all there in their eyes and in their body language and their vocal tonality so much beyond the words and the point i'm making with this episode is you have to view all of it in a true light you have to remove the trauma and misconceptions and things that are plaguing you so that you can really read what is there When you begin to develop the ability to read what is there, you know, the tools within your, uh, tool belt become almost infinite because what it is that you have to do in a situation that's black and white is pretty obvious, you know, for most people, um, I'm getting a call. That's why I'm kind of, you know, describing this a little poorly with that black and white analogy, um, I'll say it like this. I'll say it in an obvious way. Most people in social situations, how people feel about you, when you can read it truly, and most of the time it is, if you're talking to somebody, it is attraction. It is love. It is friendship. It is communion. When you can really clearly identify it as if it's the difference between a red light and a green light, you know, your suite of options, because you can clearly see what is happening, becomes more diverse uh, and more effective and the tools that you select from that suite becomes a lot more obvious. One of the greatest social skills tools you have is reading people. But reading people in its truth comes from clearing all the trauma under the surface that's disguising the things that you know your brain doesn't want you to see. The environment, the people who are poisoning you, and not saying people are poisoning you, but if they are people that poison you, it depends on the perception, what you want to see. So a fruitful life is ahead of you, but you have to clear out everything under the surface in order to actually see it. And when you can see it, then suddenly everything becomes easy. Does that make sense? I have to pick up this call. Okay. And so I'll leave this episode off on that note. Um, The free free, the program that we're doing on July 21st, 10 Keys to Social Transformation is about removing everything that's under the surface. So if you're interested in that program, Wait till July 21st, www.socialskillsfordummies.com, okay? And you'll be able to access that program. It'll absolutely transform your social skills, not by teaching you how to be more social, but removing everything on the surface, but the blueprint I want to describe to you so far of what it is that you have to do to reach your social peak. You have to remove everything that's under the surface first and foremost, get a true picture of what's going on, and then you have to actually build a cache of data by exposing yourself to people. And then quickly, you'll be able to read and make decisions on the fly, your humor, your wit, you know, your conversation, all the diverse topics, the tricks and tools. When you begin to implement them, you'll have a creative artistic magnum opus that you didn't have before. You'll be able to create art from your interactions, art from your life, the way God intended, the way it's supposed to be. Um, And that's a power that's available to you. But you have to learn how to read people, but read people in a true sense. When you remove the biases that are stopping you from doing so. That's your mission. That's what this is all about. July 21st, by the way, we have a program dropping. www.SocialSkillsForDummies.com I have a default website under that link now. This is not a real website, okay? The real website will be up on July 1st. It'll be open, I'm thinking 48 hours. It'll be open 48 hours and available to... Somewhere between 50 and 25 people. I'm thinking 25 people so I can make an actual, a great offer where I can help people. Some cases, one-on-one, some people in a group. I can't do that with too many people. Like 50 people, it would be a little much. Okay, so July 21st, look for the program, www.SocialSkillsForDummies.com. With that being said, I'm going to go pick up this call. Rate, subscribe, all that beautiful stuff to this podcast. Review this podcast, please. This Dallas is Social Skills for Dummies. I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.